Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, multidiscipline entrepreneur and top 10 professional basketball player in Thailand, Michael Baptiste. Hey, what you drinking? Okay, so you guys know that every once in a while, uh, I like to go outside of the United States to hook up with leaders that are doing things, doing great things outside of the U.S. borders. So it, it's been a while since we've done that, but uh, I think it's I think it's time. And this time I'm going to go to a country where we actually have a lot of listeners. And I've never done an interview with anyone in that country. So I thought I would would change that. So today we're going to be going to Thailand to have a conversation that I believe is going to change the direction and trajectory and the momentum of this show, you're going to want to take some notes because in this conversation, I'm going to be speaking with, and he's already here, Michael Baptiste. How are you doing, man? How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing, I'm doing amazing, man. How, how about yourself? How are you? How are you doing? Ah, oh, I am doing great. Hey, man, doing great is a, that's a decision that you make, man. I, I could be good just by accident, but greatness is a decision, and I make that decision every single day. And I, but hey, I, I am just really, really excited to have this conversation with you. Uh, not only because uh, you're in Thailand and and you're like a you're like an iconic fixture. Uh, for the Taiwanese over there. And so, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of folks over there like excited about this conversation. Uh, and so that's one reason. Uh, but number two, the interaction that you and I have had on a couple of, in a couple of different situations have really, really convinced me that you're, you're the real thing, man. You're the real thing. When it comes to entrepreneurialism, when it comes to this idea of whiskey, jazz, and leadership, I, I really have seen a lot in your stories that lead me to believe that this is going to be a, a, an incredible conversation. So I, I've got a lot of I got a lot of questions for you, and uh, uh, everyone knows that the most important question, uh, the one that kicks this off, uh, is uh, so what you drinking? <laughs> what you drinking? Normally, I actually don't drink alcohol. But I said, nah, man, today, this is a special episode. I want to, you know, I want to uh, do it right. So I got a little red wine today, a little red wine mixed with uh, some some fruit just to, uh, you know, sweeten things up a little bit. But uh, that's what I'm drinking today, a little red wine. All right, fantastic. And then fruit juice. What what kind of fruit? See, that's that's kind of an interesting, what kind of a, what kind of a fruit juice did you add to that? Yeah, so I added a little strawberry and mango to just blend it up, give it a, give it a nice sweet taste and um, just lower lower the intensity of uh i guess the, the effect of the red wine because again I, I don't normally i just don't drink at all so 
I love it. I love it. Well, hey, that that just means that I, I need to be legit in my selection. And I, I put a lot of thought into the whiskeys that I drink on Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership based upon the guest that I'm going to be speaking with. And I, I decided to reach for something that I usually don't hit a lot. And the reason I don't hit this a lot is because once it's gone, it's gone. This is Hibiki Centuri Whiskey, which you can find Hibiki Centuri Whiskey here in the United States. But what you can't find anymore is where they're putting the age derivations on the whiskeys. Usually today, uh, I think as of maybe three or four years ago, they've stopped putting the age and they've just got one Hibiki Centuri. This is Hibiki 17 year. And uh, I've got I've got two of these. I've got the Hibiki 12 year. Uh, I've got the Hibiki 17 year. And I, I famously talk about how uh, a few years back I, I, I saw Hibiki 21 year and it just the, the, how much they wanted for me for it just scared me to death. I, I, I didn't feel like I was uh, I was being that good of a husband at the at that point. So I couldn't I couldn't justify bringing that one home. So I'm going to crack this one open. Occasion, and then I'm gonna pour just yeah, it's a special occasion. Just pour just a little bit. It's got a little nice little crystal, crystal bottle there, and uh, this is probably the the next to last drink from this bottle. But I, I think that this is the right occasion, man, uh, because uh, this is gonna be a rich conversation. So. While I enjoy the next to last taste ever of Hibiki 17-year-old Centauri whiskey, please share with the audience uh, your diverse background because a lot of things that I have done as an amateur, you've done professionally. A lot of things that I have done as a hobby, you're, you're actually making quite a bit of money from those things. So talk a little bit about what has been your journey that's taken you from the United States to visiting Taiwan to actually calling Taiwan your home. Yes, absolutely. Well, first off, cheers. Cheers, cheers. Oh, this is this this is a good this is a good one, man. This is a good one. Mmm. Oh man, that looks delicious, man. Well, first off, thank you again, you know, Gayla. It, it's an honor. Um, you know, I'm I'm feeling amazing because I'm really excited to be here. You know, you're somebody that I have the utmost respect and admiration for, and it's uh it's it's an honor to be here. So I just want to you know give that credit back to you and thank you for inviting me onto your platform and uh, I appreciate this. And so uh, for everybody listening, it's like who is this guy, Michael Baptiste? Like, well, what what's going on? So just a little bit about my story. I'm originally from South Miami, Florida. Was born to a single mother, teenage mother, while my father was in prison. So I wasn't born with all of the best things in my favor, so to speak. But through that, that actually gave me the inspiration at a young age to want to be successful. It gave me a drive to be successful because I grew up at, with so many disadvantages economically. And I got into basketball as a way to get out the hood, right? And as a way to find, find my way out. And I earned a scholarship to go to college. Thought I was going to the NBA. One, knee, one injury led to knee surgery, a second knee surgery. Before I knew it, my basketball career was over. I was depressed. 
I dropped out of college. I tried to quit on life. I actually tried to commit suicide and I failed. Thank God I failed. But um, because I didn't have basketball, I didn't want to live. Like I literally was like, yo, I'd rather die than not play basketball. Literally, I was trying to kill myself because I, I didn't see anything outside of basketball because of where I come from. There aren't a lot of uh, opportunities. So it was either play basketball, rob houses, or do some other illegal scams or sell drugs. Right? That From my neighborhood, that's all the options that were there. They didn't tell me, oh, you can be a real estate agent. Oh, you can be a dentist. No, it was like, yo, you can sell these drugs or you can rob that house. Which one are you going to do? You know, so um, I chose basketball and uh, that injury led me to getting clear on, okay, if I can't play basketball every day, maybe I can use my brain and, and use my brain in business somehow to make a living for myself. And that's what I decided at age 20, that I was going to figure out a way to use my mind to create a life for myself outside of basketball. And I discovered internet marketing while in college. That changed my life. It led to me learning how to make money online and, and picking up that skill set. From there, I actually did a, an offline event teaching people what I was doing at, at college. That attracted business partners. It attracted a, a product called Banana Wave Banana Milk into my world, where they agreed to bring me on as a co-founder to help them raise capital, launch a product, and actually scale it nationwide and possibly sell the business. And um, fast forward, just you know, we we did all those things. We raised capital from it. We raised millions of dollars from investors. Went out there, put the product in stores like Walmart, Whole Foods, HEB, thousands of others, and scaled the business. And uh, yeah, the business actually became a success. But when it became a success, something happened. I realized, well, this is cool. I helped somebody grow their business, but it's not fully my business, right? And at the same time, something's, something in my spirit is calling me to Asia. I don't know what, something's telling me, yo, Mike, you need to go to this place. So that place was called Thailand. And in 2014, something in my spirit called me there. 2017, I got invited to do a speaking event in Portugal. I went to speak at Portugal. But then once the speaking event was over, I was like, well, do I go back home to America or do I follow what my spirit is telling me to do to check out this place called Thailand? Like, why is my spirit not letting me sleep without thinking about Thailand obsessively? Right. And I didn't know it at the time, but uh, but like it was literally my spirit calling me to where like I'm, I was supposed to be to fulfill my life purpose. So to keep the story going, I ended up making it on a one-way trip to Thailand. I landed in Bangkok. It was too busy, too crazy. I stayed for a week, and I, I was like, that's it. And then I went to a place called Phuket. It's like South Beach of Thailand, and um, I had too much fun. I said, this is so good that if I stay here, I'm not going to get nothing done. I'm going to spend all my money. I'm going to drink, be drinking too much. It's too much fun. I got to get out of here. So I left Phuket, and I went to a place called Chiang Mai, which I, again, never heard of before. But as soon as I got off the plane, I landed off the plane and something in my spirit was like, you're here. I can't explain this. You know, people, ha everybody has a lot of different beliefs about, you know, what's out there, what's in here. But for me, I believe that, you know, we all we all come from the same God, the same creator. And I believe that sometimes, you know, if you listen, our creator will, will give us messages. Right. It'll give us a little insight on what to do, what not to do. So when I got off the plane, I felt like it was God coming through to speak to me to say, you're here. You made it to where I need you to be. Now I need you to stay here, stay put, and stay obedient to whatever I tell you to do next. And, and again, I'm just I'm just trusting in like this 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 unseen you know force, if you will, that that um that I have absolute faith in, right? So I stay. I, I get to Chiang Mai. It works out. Um, it's quiet. It's simple. It's mountains. It's easy. It's not Miami where I'm from. It's very uh, easy going. I start working out. After about maybe like a year and a year and some change of living in the city, I, I, I make it to a basketball gym. Not just go play, just ball out, have fun. But 
I'm skilled at basketball. And so after that game, you know, I was killing everybody. We won every game. Um, one of the managers came up to me. He was like, yo, dude, you ever played basketball for money? Now, at this time, I'm looking at him like, what? What are you, with basketball for money? Are you trying to prostitute my basketball skills? <laughs> what, what is this, sir? <laughs> you know, I'm like, what's going on? I'm not that kind of a person. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that. I don't do this on the first date. <laughs> nah, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But if I hit, I'm like, yo, dude, like, what? Like, this is weird. This is awkward. And so he notices I got a little awkward. He's like, no, 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 no. That's not, no, no, I'm not, I'm not that kind of a person. Look, I know this guy, this guy, this guy. I know this league, this league, this league. I played in this league, this league, this league. And I'm this national superstar of like, you know, 15, 20 years ago. I can get you into the leagues. And it was like, bing. it was like the light bulb turned on. And in that moment, I'll never forget it. It was like my spirit told me, this is why I told you to come here. This is why I told you to be steady. This is why I told you to be obedient. And I was like, well, hey, spirit, I got, I got, I'm getting chills right now as I'm saying it. because oh, oh, man, I'm getting goosebumps. Like in that moment, I was like, okay, all right, God, I just got to lean back and trust. I can't, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to be. No, I'm just going to, whatever you say, God, I'm on it. I'm just going to trust God and follow whatever God said me to do. So um, after that experience, a few months passed by, and they actually called me to play in my first tournament, semi-professional. Well, I played in the tournament. Our team won the championship. I won most valuable player. And uh, the next day, I was on the na- the local news like news station, right? I was on the TV with my slam dunks as the highlights. Um, I was in the newspaper. I was on the internet newspaper. And, and I was just like, what? Like, what's going on? I'm, I'm not fully understanding. I'm on the news doing a slam dunk. Why? Like, why, why am I on the news doing a slam dunk? I don't get it. I, I'm not like it, it wasn't it wasn't adding up, Galen. It wasn't adding up. So a few more months later, I get a phone call saying, hey, dude, you know, this is the amount we want to pay you. Do you agree to it? OK, cool. You know, here's your flight. You know, we got a house for you. We're going to be staying here and we'll see you next week. And then before I know it, I get on a plane to go to Bangkok. I show up at this, uh, I forgot, it was like an exposi- exhibition, ex- exposition of all the teams and their, and their drafted players. And um, I was on stage as one of the first players they drafted. You know, they had the whole news cameras and all that there. And uh, come to find out, you know, that was the start of my professional career. And um, wow. yeah, after that, I played in my first two games. And after the first two games of uh, playing professionally here in Thailand, I became the number one leading scorer, the number one leading rebounder in the whole league in the whole country, in this professional league, at the highest level in Thailand, I became the number one leading leader in these top categories. And after that, I mean, it was like overnight, Gator, true story. I became an overnight superstar. Like I I, I blew up, like all over Thailand. My face was everywhere. My face was on the commercials. They constantly used my highlights because I was the number one player. I was on billboards. Kids were walking up to me asking for autographs. And I was just like, Okay, God, I, I, all I can do is just trust, have faith, and not question you. And if anybody got anything to say, oh, God's not, look, 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 you can say what you want, but <laughs> I'm, I'm living off of the faith of trusting in God, you know? So um, when that happened, it, it literally changed my entire life. It fulfilled the childhood dream that I had to become a basketball star. It took me from just like somebody who was trying to, you know, figure this life thing out to like, okay, I actually reached my dream. Like I actually reached the goal that I had at age 14 years old. And at the time I was 30 when I, when I got drafted, it was like, bam, here I am. I'm a 30 year old man, but there's a 14 year old boy inside of me that's doing cartwheels every day. He's doing backflips every day. He's laughing. 
He's in joy. Man, he is fulfilled. Like I have fulfilled that part of myself that, that I've been trying to do for the last 16 years, 16, 17 years. And um, in that time, that that really that really did something for me. But what it did was it confirmed to me why we should trust ourselves, why we should trust God, why we should believe in God, why we should give our faith to the most high. And because I've lived in this country, you know, they practice Buddhism. They don't practice Christianity. I've learned to just be more open to everybody's idea and concept of what God is. Right. Because um, it's different here versus how it is in America. But just to kind of give you guys, um, you know, where we're at. So that's my story. That's how basketball led me here. And um, now what's happening is that I'm still an entrepreneur, but getting ready to take my basketball talents and, um, and, and teach people in Thailand, like teach millions of people in Thailand, you know, how it is that I play basketball. And because of my, you know, um, uh, resume and, and um, skills and all of that good stuff, we're really excited about getting out there to, to many people around Thailand and just teaching the whole country, you know, how to improve their basketball skills like I've been able to do. So that's a little bit about my story. I'll tell you, not only is is the 14-year-old kid inside of you turning backflips, the 14-year-old kid inside of me is giving you high fives because just such a fascinating story of how likely at a moment where you thought where you thought those dreams were just that, just dreams, and you may have even started to forget about those dreams, here comes an opportunity to live out those dreams at a level that I am sure you dare not to even imagine. Uh, and so th th this is a great place for me to ask you, uh, as I do with many of my guests, to ask you to help me explain the title of this podcast. So Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership, uh, you know, I, I like all three literally. I also like the metaphor. And the metaphors for whiskey is doing what you enjoy with the folks you enjoyed with, irregardless of what the folks who don't understand. I really don't care what they say because they're not part of my crew anyway. That's the metaphor of whiskey, the social element of, of hanging with the folks who get you and who support you. The metaphor for jazz is how do I get from where I am to where I'm supposed to be or want to be or need to be even when there is no sheet music in front of me, even when things aren't spelled out, even when there's no plan, I still have to get there. I've got to get there on time. I've got to get there on, in key. And since this is my life that we're talking about, I might as well enjoy the ride. But jazz is how do you, how do you adapt to what's going on around you to still get to where you need to be? And then leadership. For me, the metaphor of leadership is about marketing is great. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, strategy is important, but at the end of the day, someone needs to stand up and say, "We're going to we're going to take this decision. We're going to take this direction. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna make this thing happen starting right now." And until someone does that, then you know nothing's going to happen. Uh, you know, I used to say that nothing happens until something happens. So for me, all of that fits together nicely inside my head. How do those metaphors work for you? We we already established that you that you don't you drink wine every once in a while. You don't drink necessarily whiskey, but how does the metaphor fit with how you have seen life play out for you? Yeah, well, first off, I do want to say this um, before I stopped drinking, which was uh, uh just like just before I became professional basketball. I was drinking, but and whiskey's my favorite. I want to say that. I, I don't want you to think I'm some sort of 
goody two shoes. Nah, nah, nah. I love you. I love you some whiskey, but I just made a, a different decision. So metaphorically, how how it how it resonates with me, you know, when I hear the word whiskey, um, because because I love whiskey, right? I think more of a uh, you know easygoing, laid back, you know, something something to make you relax, something to kind of bring you more to a level of like a homeliness or uh, or uh, more personable, right, with the people that are around you. So it also creates that that effect where um you know it's sitting down, having a good time, you know, sipping your whiskey, taking time to do so with with friends or people you care about. Maybe having a cigar. Me personally, you know, I'll do the whiskey and cigar. That's one of my faves. So uh, so when I hear the word whiskey, it just it just brings me to that more relaxed, you know, hey, sit down, take it easy, take a drink with some good people, you know, let's have some good conversations, potentially intellectual conversations. Um, but if not, let's just have some good, good times. So when I hear that metaphorically, it brings that about for me. Yeah, when I hear jazz, so I love jazz. My, my grandfather was actually a jazz musician and he played in a band and he traveled around a couple of different countries and cities playing in a, a band as a jazz musician, which is really cool. So for me, um, I have a different love for jazz. I have a different type of connection with it. And it's something that resonates with my soul. So uh, the final one you mentioned, which is leadership. Yeah, leadership is something to where it has its sides where it's really great. It's a lot of greatness about leadership, right? You've been in the front, you can you know lead the pace and determine how the organization is going to move, right? And and uh, and also if you have the vision, a lot of you know a lot of good things can happen through through that leadership. But uh, it comes with the downsides as well, right? Because the, the the speed of the, of the leader determines the speed of the group. So if you move slowly, your organization moves slow. Um, as leader, you don't have as as much uh, leeway and time to relax as a person who's just like. You know, they're just they're just a part of the organization and they, you know, follow the leader Like you don't have that kind of time because you have to constantly be looking at what's ahead. What's next? Which way are we turn? Are we turning left? Are we turning right? How many feet ahead or how many miles ahead do we need to prepare to get off the highway? Right. Like as a leader, you have to constantly be doing that. So there's no time to rest and, and um, do as others um, in the organization. But for me, when I hear the word leadership metaphorically, you know, I think about, um, OK, where are we going? And then beyond where we're going, how are we going to get there? And so, um, yeah, when, when I hear leadership, I'm just I'm just thinking to myself, OK, I need to either get ready to take a take a uh, take a position where I'm learning from the leader. Right. Like that's I me. Mean, my, my brain always thinks first, OK, I need to be prepared to follow because the best leaders start as the best followers. So I always think I need to follow. I need to get ready to follow. Right. Unless I'm going into a domain where I know I'm the leader in this domain, then it's then it's a different story. So, um, so yeah, metaphorically, when I hear the word leadership, I just, I just prepare myself to, to, uh, to number one, follow whatever leadership that, that may be leading me to where I need to go. But then on the other side of that, you know, I think about, okay, well, if this is a domain that I'm good in, then I need to think about, okay, what do I need to do as a leader to make sure that I lead us to victory, to a championship, to a win, whatever it is. So when I hear the word, the words, uh, whiskey, jazz, and leadership, those are some things that metaphorically come to me. Yeah. You know, I, I love the way that you talked about leadership and the word that came to my mind when I was hearing you discuss the metaphor of leadership was responsibility. That very often leaders take on a responsibility that followers just don't have to have, right? Uh, if I'm if I'm a follower, and then I'm just going to show up. I'm gonna I'm gonna at best do what you tell me to do. And I'm going to give you my best at doing what you tell me to do. And if problems come up, well, you know, that's for the leader to figure out. But if you're the leader, then to your point, there is no rest 
because you're always trying to anticipate what's coming next. And how can I help my team, help my organization be prepared for what is coming next? And I played a little basketball in high school and I played even less basketball in college. In my mind, there's a a connection between the anticipation that it takes to be a great basketball player uh, versus uh, the anticipation that it takes to be a great leader. Because uh, as a basketball player, if I'm just reacting to the play, you know, if I've got enough physical ability, I can, you know, I can survive just reacting to the play. But the better players are able to anticipate what's coming. They're able to almost influence what's coming. So talk to me a little bit about how anticipation uh, has played into not only your basketball game, uh, but into into your role as a leader. Mm, man, that's a great question. First, I'll start with basketball, because in basketball, you're right. You have to be always ready to react to what's happening. You have to be you know, paying attention at all times. The other side of it, though, is a side where you're not necessarily reacting to everything, but you're more so influencing the game. Right. So when when we talk about influencing the game, what does that look like? Well, on the basketball court, that looks like you being the person that's applying the pressure. So rather than letting the offense dribble, get up on them, try to take the ball, give them some pressure, let them know that you're there. You know what I mean? Don't make it easy for them. Now, by you influencing and putting that defensive pressure on him, he's going to react differently on offense. So now you become the one that influences them offensively. You know, when you got the ball in your hands, rather than just trying to find a teammate to pass it to, I like to look at the basket and I like to try to go score. And if I can't score, I'm going to draw them to me and make it easier for my teammate to score. And like that right there, that like applying pressure is, is a form of influencing, um, you know, the game, influencing others. So that way they become the ones who have to react to your influence. So from a leadership perspective on the basketball court, I, I, I firmly believe that um, I must be the one to influence the game rather than allowing the game to influence me. Because if the game's influencing me, that means I'm constantly reacting to what other people are doing, which, you know, it's, it's, it's a part of it anyway. But um, I, I believe that. But with my presence alone, if, if I'm constantly active, my hands are moving, my hands are up, the defense sees that he's not going to come to my side. He's going to go to the other side. Oh, this guy's too active. He might steal the ball. Let me go to the easy side. Now, I have influenced him to not bring the ball over here on defense, right? Which if this, if this is the best offensive player on their team, that's going to decrease his chances to score. That's going to decrease their teams, the how, you know, how much the team scores overall. And it's going to allow me to influence this great offensive player to have, you know, maybe a, a less than stellar performance that he would normally have. So I like to look at it like that. Um, rather than constantly react, I'm going to be the one to influence things and I'll exert my dominance on the basketball court. But that's basketball. That's that's a that's that's when I can bring out the the king cobra. I can bring out the killer instinct. I can bring out that uh that you know that beast that just is there to kill. You know, and um let's stay let's stay with basketball for a little bit. Uh, because my fourteen-year-old, my fourteen-year-old self is like, dude, you can't. Enough of that leadership. Let's talk basketball here. Uh, you know, gr- growing up, I, I, I've had a number of favorite players. Uh, growing up, and when I was playing, I had a number of players who I, I would try to emulate certain things in my game based on what I saw them do. And then as I became an adult, one of my favorite players actually became my favorite player after he retired. 
and that is Kobe Bryant. One of the things that I just really, that caused me to fall in love with Kobe Bryant was when I was able to get a glimpse of his work ethic and the mentality that he approached the game with. And the fact that he was, to your point, he had the physical ability to react to almost anything, but he was influencing the game. And that's what was making the game much more easy for him than it would have been ordinarily. And there's one there's one video that's out with him that I've, I've watched maybe three or four dozen times. Someone asked him the first the first time, what was the first time that he scored 60 points? And he said he was eight years old the first time he scored he scored 60 points in a game and he said the reason the way i did that was i was watching the other kids play and i realized that the other kids at eight years old couldn't use their left hand and so for the rest of that game I would just make the players use their left hand when they put the ball in their left hand. I'd steal the ball and go down and score the layup. Come back, do the exact same thing again. And he did that, and he scored 60 points in the game, just observing what was going on around him. And to your point, influencing the other players to play to their weakness, but to play to his strengths. So first of all, I'm going to ask, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask, what's your reaction to Kobe Bryant, the whole Mamba mentality, and then just this idea of observing what the environment is, how the players move, and then leveraging your knowledge of how they move to create opportunities for yourself? Mm, great question. So the first thing I want to do is, uh, you know, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, I give up. You know, pay homage to him because that brother, he is actually the number one basketball player that I've modeled, studied, and, and just done my best to emulate his work ethic and emulate his mindset. No, no other athlete, at least in my opinion, has impacted the game of basketball the way that Kobe Bryant has. Not even LeBron, because LeBron learned from Kobe to take him to the next level, right? And even Michael Jordan, yeah, he's Mike, but... Mike didn't have the work ethic like Kobe, right? Nobody has influenced the work ethic, the, mind, the mama mentality. You know, nobody's done it to the world like Kobe Bryant's done it. So I want to give him that, you know, pay homage to Kobe first and foremost, because he's, again, my favorite player too. And um, yeah, for me, growing up watching Kobe Bryant and like seeing how he thought and, and listening to some of his inter interviews and doing my best to model that, I don't have enough time to, to speak highly of him the way I want to. But what I will say is that through studying Kobe Bryant and modeling him and emulating him, I noticed that a, a, a certain time in his career, it came where, you know, he went from being Kobe Bryant to the Black Mamba. And when he became the Black Mamba, that's when he snapped into like a different version of himself. And that's when he just, I mean, his, his killer instinct just went to another level. So me watching that, modeling that, you know, I, I've taken so much from that, from his game, um, especially the mindset part, right? Like I've, I've learned that there's a lot of players strong like me. There's a lot of players fast like me. They can jump high like me. So what separates them from me, right? If it's not the physical abilities, because we all train hard, it's this. It's the mindset, right? And um, that's the biggest thing I picked up from Kobe Bryant is that mama mentality. And I use it every single day when I'm training, when I'm working out. I'm always thinking to myself, mama mentality. But because, it, again, it's Kobe Bryant, it's not Michael Baptiste. So I needed to have my own Michael Baptiste, right? I need to have my own strategy. 
So I came up with, uh, you know, the Mike King Cobra. That's my moniker, so to speak. And uh, the cobra is a very popular uh, animal out here in Asia. It's actually one of the, it's actually the largest, deadliest poisonous snake in Asia. It, it's an, it's an, a creature that is uh, respected and uh, honored here in Asia as well. And um, and my old high school was the cobras, right? So it just, it just kind of made sense for me to transition into something, you know, that, that resonates with me, which is the cobra. So I learned that when Kobe Bryant plays, he's not just playing to play. And he's not just playing to like figure you out. He's playing to see how you play, learn your learn your moves, learn your strategy so he, he can stop you. But then on the other side, he's figuring out how you work psychographically. So he's going to learn what are your favorite books, what kind of movies you watch, you know, like what do you like to do with your free time? He's going to find these things out. So when he's in the game with you, he's going to say something about your favorite movie or that thing you like on Netflix that you posted about publicly. And you're going to think, wait, how do you know I like that thing on Netflix? And then boom, they, when they pass you the ball, you're distracted. You can't even play anymore because Kobe Bryant with that one little thing got into your mind. You know, so for me, I always do my best to study my opponents, to study them, study their game, study how they move. I might let I might, you know, take like three or four plays and just let them let them you know, exert their will on me. Right. Like do your best against me. Go cross me up. Go ahead. Or, you know, go past me. Right. I'm going to let you do that because I need to see. How your game goes and then once i see what you like to do oh you like to go left yeah i'm not gonna say nothing but next time you go left i'm gonna cut it off and i'm gonna force you to go the other way right and then and then um yeah by, by doing these things and studying my opponent and then allowing them to exert their force on me and then when i recognize okay this is how they're trying to manipulate me bam cut it off stop it and now it's over like they don't get any more chances because i figured their game out and now i'm just gonna just dominate the rest of the game and they're you know good luck to them so I would say, you know, um, from, you know, that's something I picked up from Kobe Bryant is like being able to study your opponent, learn them, you know, allow them to do what they do. Once you figure it out, just shut it completely off and then, you know, exert your dominance the rest of the way through. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.